0: coding bootcamp news roundup i'm liz and i'm imogen and we are from the course report team and each month we round up all the most interesting bootcamp industry news that we read about and talked about in the office and we're sharing it with you we didn't have any huge like acquisition or fundraising news this month but imogen what are we going to be talking about from may
1: so we'll start off with news about a new program for military veterans in the U.S., along with some news about diversity-fueled scholarships.
0: And a couple of teeny-tiny news outlets like the New York Times and Wall Street Journal wrote about whether you should go to a coding boot camp, so we're going to cover their opinions. And we'll follow up that with some alumni success stories that we read about in May.
1: And then news about ISAs or income share agreements has not slowed down, so we'll give you all the updates about that new payment trend.
0: And we'll cover a few partnerships with boot camps and universities, and speaking of those partnerships, we're also going to talk about a few controversies in the industry this month.
1: And of course, we'll give you the scoop about new campuses, new schools on Course Report, and we'll share our favorite pieces from the Course Report blog this month.
0: So this month, we want to start off by talking about veterans in tech because we keep hearing more stories about veterans finding tech to be a great way to reenter civilian life after they finish military service, and it's becoming even easier and less complicated for veterans to access tech education like coding boot camps. So Imogen, first tell us about the Department of Veterans Affairs new Vet Tech training program.
1: Yeah, so we have talked about this briefly before, but in May, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs published a blog post all about VETTECH, their new high-tech training program, with all the eligibility requirements and details. So VETTECH stands for Veteran Employment Through Technology Education Courses. And the VA website explains that, quote, Vet Tech allows veterans to receive accelerated training in coding boot camps and similar programs in information science, computer programming, computer software, media application, and data processing. The program is meant to quickly teach veterans the cutting-edge skills they need to work in the high-tech industry, end quote. And the initiative has $15 million per year of funding.
0: And Imogen will put the link to the blog post in our news roundup, but what are the eligibility requirements right now?
1: So to be eligible to use Vet Tech, veterans need at least one day of unexpired GI Bill benefits. Vet Tech doesn't use up GI Bill benefits, and students receive a monthly housing stipend while in the program. The VA pays schools 25% of tuition when the veteran enrols, 25% when the veteran graduates, and the remaining 50% once the veteran lands a job. Veterans can apply for vet tech on a first-come, first-served basis until funds run out. And there is a list of training providers on the VA website, which includes coding boot camps like Skill Distillery, Zip Code Wilmington, and Code Platoon. And any other schools interested in partnering with the VA for Vet Tech can apply to become an official training provider.
0: Well, congratulations to Skill Distillery and Zip Code and Code Platoon for taking that initiative. And St. Louis Public Radio did a profile of two more coding schools, Claim Academy and Launch Code, both based in St. Louis. And they talked to students who are also military veterans. One was Kevin Thornton, a veteran studying at Claim Academy, who was in the Air Force and then worked as a special ed teacher. He enrolled in Claim Academy to future-proof himself. And halfway through the boot camp, he received a job offer from Boeing. Just kind of an amazing career trajectory from the Air Force to working at Boeing.
1: Yeah, that's super cool. cool. And then the Colorado Sun profiled local cybersecurity bootcamp secure set in Colorado Springs, where 40% of the students are veterans who are transitioning out of the military. The reporter speaks to Air Force veteran Eric Perez, who became an accountant after his service, but did not enjoy it, so he decided to pivot into cybersecurity with SecureSet because he says, quote, I want to save people. I want my job to mean something. He said cybersecurity seemed, quote, logical and appealed to my analytical side and went hand in hand with my military training and doing deductive reasoning, end quote. The article notes that Colorado Springs is home to five military bases, and with a shortage in cybersecurity workers in the state, cyber training seems like a logical choice for transitioning veterans.
0: Very logical. And any veterans thinking about tech boot camps, coding boot camps, data science, cybersecurity should check out our list of veteran scholarships on Course Report. We try to keep that pretty updated. And we also did a podcast about how to use the GI Bill for a coding boot camp, so a lot of resources there.
1: And next up, we want to talk about some wonderful initiatives to help encourage more women to get into tech. Let's hear which schools are launching scholarships for women or highlighting women's achievements in tech.
0: Sure. Maiden Academy in Bath, UK, is offering scholarships of 70% off tuition to women who enroll in their 16-week full-stack web development track. The Bath Echo reports that the discount aims to address the need for more diversity in tech in the UK, and the scholarships will be available until February 2020.
1: And then Facebook is offering scholarships for women and underrepresented groups to go to Ironhack in Miami. The Miami Herald reports that Ironhack has won $250,000 in diversity funding from Facebook for scholarships. Ironhack is using the money to create the Digital Creators Fund, which will fund full and partial scholarships for diverse students. Ironhack will prioritize applicants who are Black, Latino, Hispanic, Native American, Native Alaskan, and/or women. Scholarships are available for part-time and full-time courses in web development, UX/UI design, and data analytics. The next deadline to apply is May thirty-first, so you better hurry.
0: Yeah, you maybe have like twenty-four hours. Also in Miami, WinCode is launching a women in tech cohort with $200,000 in scholarships. According to Refresh Miami, WinCode will partner with Career Source South Florida to provide scholarships for its inaugural women in tech cohort. And it's not just scholarships. They're also providing hiring incentives to companies who actually hire the women in tech cohort graduates. The article doesn't point out like what those hiring incentives actually are, but I thought that was really neat.
1: And then Computer Weekly covered Makers Academy's announcement of their Women in Software Power list. In May, London Coding Bootcamp Makers Academy launched an annual awards program where they honoured 30 women in the UK who represent the best of the coding community. The women on the list included founders of companies like Bedrock X, Pradina, The Dots and Salve Health, as well as CTOs and senior engineers at companies like KPMG, Thrift Plus, Solario, and Ernst Young. So congrats to all those women.
0: And of course, income sharing agreements seem to be a bit of an obsession in the media right now. In previous months, we mainly saw articles from education-focused publications, but in May, we saw countless articles from mainstream media sources. So Imogen, maybe just give us a recap on what imp- reporters are saying about ISAs and coding bootcamps.
1: Sure. So I read so many mainstream articles this month, although many of them did focus more on college income share agreements rather than boot camp income share agreements. I read two U.S. news articles, one which looked at the pros and cons of ISAs and another which looked at how ISAs could help students choose what subject to study because those that are eligible for an ISA may have better outcomes. And then in a Market Watch article, the Chicago Fed president warned colleges about moving too quickly towards ISAs with a concern that grads might prioritize their payments over other expenses and have to rely on credit for other aspects of their lives. And I think, you know, even though this articles about college, it's still a scenario which could be relevant to boot camp grads. And then a report by the Aspen Institute explained the idea of ISAs in detail, looked at the pros and cons, and mentions non-traditional private education providers which are offering ISAs such as Holberton School, Kenzie Academy, and Lambda School. That article also notes that, quote, student advocates and higher education experts have expressed concerns regarding private ISAs. They argue that students could be uniquely vulnerable to predatory ISA providers, especially in the direct consumer market, end quote. The report suggests that schools and training programs need to provide simple and accessible information about how ISAs are repaid.
0: Agree. And Imogen, you just mentioned Lambda School and as seems to be usual these days. We read a number of articles about Lambda School in May. Barron's looked at the rise of online education in competition with traditional college, mentioning Lambda School. ProShare looked at whether MOOCs could replace continuing education, also using Lambda School as an example. And BYU Universe looked at Lambda School's ISA as an alternative to expensive college programs.
1: And then in an opinion piece in the New York Times, Malcolm Harris, who's the author of Kids These Days, Human Capital and the Making of Millennials, likens students using ISAs to, quote, subprime students, end quote. And I'm going to share a few quotes from the article. First, he points out that, quote, one big problem with ISAs is that, is that there is no collateral to these loans. You can't repossess a classics degree, end quote. Malcolm then talks about the influx of private capital to ISAs, mentioning career accelerators like Thinkful and Lambda School, which offer ISAs financed by investors. And then here's another quote. From a capitalist perspective, the federal government has a weakness. It treats all borrowers the same. Borrowers face the same interest rates, whether they are mediocre art students or valedictorians studying quantum computing at a top engineering school. But private ISA lenders can skim the cream of the students off the top, end quote. And then one more quote, if ISAs take off as a desirable funding source, it's inevitable that they will begin to reshape childhood. Instead of just trying to build a resume that appeals to admissions committees, students would spend their adolescence trying to build up profiles that scan as successful to investors. Every child becomes his or her own startup, end quote.
0: Yeah, this is a nice balance to some of those um, super positive ISA pieces that we've been reading recently. Um, It is, I guess, important to remember that he's really talking about private ISA lenders. And in the case of boot camps, most schools are also taking a lot of the risk on um, and like committing to actually getting students jobs or else they don't get paid as well. So interesting perspective, though. And you may have heard of Vimo or LEAF. Uh, And last month, we talked about Edly, which is the new marketplace for ISAs. According to Yahoo, a new income-sharing provider called Align has closed its Series B fundraising round. The provider aims to focus on ISAs for general use and aims to offer consumers access to capital in a fair, understandable, and personalized way and can be used for consumer expenses like home or car repair or medical expenses and apparently education as well.
1: Yeah, interesting. And then Student Loan Hero lists a whole bunch of schools or colleges which offer ISAs, including Make School, which is an intensive coding school working with the Dominican University of California. So if you want a list of different schools that offer ISAs, check that piece out.
0: And let's just finish this segment with a couple of new ISAs. North Carolina Coding Bootcamp Coder Foundry has launched a tuition deferred program called Launchpad, where students don't pay tuition until they land a job earning $40,000 or more. And in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Dev Code Camp has announced that they are now offering income sharing agreements where students don't pay until they're in a job earning at least $40,000 and they pay 15% of their income over three years with a payment cap of $30,000.
1: Nice. And then how do you know if a tech bootcamp is for you and will it be effective in improving your career prospects in tech? This month, we saw a number of articles giving advice about choosing a boot camp and looking at whether various tech careers are worth pursuing. Liz, tell us about what the New York Times said about how effective immersive coding programs can be for improving job prospects.
0: Sure. Steve Lohr from the New York Times, who's been writing about boot camps for a while, looks at how effective intense technology programs are for helping people move into the middle class. He focuses on nonprofit organizations like Tech Hire, Skillful, Perscolis, and Year Up. And he's most interested in Year Up, which is a year long program. He talked to Gerald Chertavian, founder and chief executive of Year Up, who thinks about the types of students who are best for the program. And he says, quote, it is a self-selecting group. We are asking these young people to go on a challenging journey in a high support, high expectations environment. And it's not for everybody. And one interesting takeaway is that Steve covers a federally funded evaluation of Europe, which tracked more than 1,600 Europe students in 2013 and 2014. And compares that to 875 similar young people who basically met the standards for admission but did not go through the Year Up program. So kind of compares their career trajectories. And the earnings of the Year Up students were 53% more than the control group a year after graduation and remained far higher for the following year. So that's just one program and just for a couple of years, but um, an interesting study.
1: Yeah. And then a Forbes contributor looks at five jobs to pivot into, with number one being software engineer. The article quotes a coding bootcamp grad who launched his own business. And then other suggested jobs in the article include financial advisor, business advisor, and human resources. Then Bloomberg looks at the highest paying jobs for 2019, with data scientist and software engineer topping the list. Glassdoor Research says that data scientists earn an average base salary of $95,000, software engineers earn $90,000, and product managers earn $89,000. Other tech jobs on the list are UX designer at $73,000 and systems engineer at $70,000.
0: And Nate Swainer from DICE looks at tips for choosing a good coding bootcamp. He suggests basically exactly what we do. Uh, look at outcomes, understand exactly what the boot camp is offering, if they're promising a job or just like promising to give you an extra set of skills and read reviews.
1: And then Tech Republic looks at whether it is still worth becoming a data scientist. Reporter Nick Heath notes that data scientists has been ranked one of the top jobs in the U.S. in terms of pay, job demand, and satisfaction for some years. But recent reports by Glassdoor and Stack Overflow show a fall in U.S. data science wages in 2019. It kind of sounds like data science salaries used to be higher than those of software developers, but now the two professions are becoming more aligned in terms of remuneration. The report posits that anecdotal evidence suggests that supply is outstripping demand for entry-level talent because of, quote, an explosion in the number of data science courses. However, the article says that there is still a healthy demand for experienced professionals and people shouldn't be deterred from entering the industry. And then a Forbes contributor also looks at the demand for data scientists in the U.S., but he finds that the demand is increasing, citing a report from Indeed, which found that there has been a 30% increase in demand since 2018, but searches by job seekers only grew by 15%. The article looks at how college programs are not producing enough data scientists to meet the demand, and even if you add graduates from data science boot camps to that number, it is still not enough to fill the need.
0: Well, a lot is happening in tech education in the Middle East and Africa right now. We're always hearing about new bootcamp options for students in those regions, and more and more is being done to diversify the industry. So, Imogen, tell us first about the American Coding Bootcamp that has launched in Africa.
1: Yeah, so we've already mentioned this school, Lambda School, a couple of times. It's an online bootcamp which offers income share agreements. And Pulse Nigeria published an update on investment in tech training in Africa, mentioning Lambda School's launch in Africa, Microsoft's launch of its Africa Development Center in Lagos and Nairobi, and Andela, an apprenticeship program, which I think Liz will talk about next. Region Week also looked at Lambda School's Africa pilot, and it lists the eligibility requirements for interested candidates. The program is open to citizens of Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana, Kenya, Nigeria, and South Africa who are 18 years old or above. And Lambda School is partnering with local co-working space Paystack, which will provide co-working space for students to work out of.
0: Yeah, Imogen, you mentioned Andela, and I think that's kind of the brand name that we associate most with coding boot camps in Africa. This month, Tech Jaja looks at a number of different options for learning to code in Uganda, including Andela, which is, as we mentioned before, an Africa-based developer bootcamp and apprenticeship program. And then Business Insider reports that Andela is launching a new program called The Power of X, which aims to recruit mid-level and senior software developers to work with clients alongside the apprentices who are working as junior developers. Andela has always served beginners, and still does, obviously. But it's cool to see them able to expand to mid-senior level um, education as well. Remember that Andela raised $100 million in Series D funding this January. So I guess this is how they're expanding.
1: And then African News reports that the first free coding school in Senegal, Sonatel Academy, is taking part in the Digital Women's Day event in Dakar, Senegal, on June 13th and 14th. The event aims to place the spotlight on, quote, women working to revolutionize the world through digital technology every year, end quote. And the event will involve talks by prominent women in tech, as well as an awards ceremony.
0: In KT Press, I read a profile of a Rwandan woman who went to Moringa school while balancing her family commitments. They look at the app that she and her team built during the boot camp, which helps patients with or without medical insurance figure out which pharmacies to shop at. And CNBC Africa profiles the first Rwandan coding school at Rwanda Polytechnic.
1: And then moving over to the Middle East, an article in the Arab Daily News reports that Middle East based nonprofit ANERA, which stands for American Near East Refugee Aid, is partnering with Coding Bootcamp Reboot Camp to provide tech and professional job skills training to unemployed Palestinian youth in Gaza, East Jerusalem, the West Bank, and Jordan. Reboot Camp originally launched in Amman, Jordan a few years ago, but this new partnership plans to expand the initiative to more people in need. The article notes that 40% of youth in Jordan and Palestine are unemployed, which is three times the global average for young people.
0: Vogue Australia profiles the co-founder of ReCoded, Alexandra Clare. She tells Vogue about how she and her husband decided to start the coding boot camp after witnessing the plight of displaced youths in Iraq who were fleeing ISIS. Many of the people she met had advanced university degrees but couldn't find any employment opportunities. And Alexandra says, quote, the mission was to prepare conflict-affected youth to enter the digital economy as software developers and entrepreneurs. End quote. She says that 85% of graduates are now working as software developers, earning around three times more than what they were earning before, and that 40% of students are women. She plans to expand the program across the Middle East and Africa.
1: And then a 25-year-old Palestinian woman, Shahnaz Monia, wrote a guest post for Relief Web about how learning to code at Gaza Sky Geeks changed her life. As she was about to graduate from a Gaza City university, she attended a startup weekend at Gaza Sky Geeks and her team won the pitch competition. Shahana soon enrolled in the Code Academy and says her time at boot camp was some of the best days of her life. She was then accepted to Gaza Sky Geeks Freelance Academy, a 10-week mentorship program, and became a freelance web developer. Now Shahnaz is a full-time mentor at Gaza Sky Geek's new campus in Hebron, saying, quote, Having the chance to leave Gaza and experience the rest of Palestine was one of my dreams. And after three very long months of waiting, my Gaza exit permit was approved. I was so shocked and happy, end quote.
0: Very inspiring story. Go Shahnaz!
1: And next up, we want to talk a little bit about bootcamps partnering with universities. And first up is a follow-up article since one big bootcamp provider was acquired last month. Liz, tell us about this interview with the CEO of Trilogy Education.
0: Sure, so Education Dive reporter Hallie Busta interviewed Trilogy CEO Dan Sommer about the recent Trilogy acquisition by 2U. Remember, that was a $750 million acquisition. If you are not familiar with Trilogy, it's an organization which runs coding boot camps within universities continuing education programs. And Dan talks about how 2U's capabilities will accelerate Trilogy's expansion on the ground and online. Uh, they also talk about how the Trilogy curriculum is being incorporated into MBA programs and how the practical skills that Trilogy focuses on will complement traditional degrees that 2U is focused on. And they also talk about how Trilogy is trying to be more transparent about when they are providing curriculum for college-branded courses. I think that is a really important uh, important focus.
1: And then, speaking of Trilogy, two new schools have launched Trilogy programs. The University of Connecticut is partnering with Trilogy to launch a coding bootcamp in Stanford. And then Trilogy Education is also launching a bootcamp at the University of Western Australia in Perth. And Trilogy now partners with 46 universities. Kenzie
0: Academy is partnering with Colorado State University to launch a one to two year program for high school students and college students to learn skills for a successful tech career. Students can then continue with online co- courses at CSU to complete a bachelor's degree, and Kenzie Academy offers an income-sharing agreement, and students transferring from Kenzie to CSU will receive a 10% discount on CSU tuition. I think that is an interesting, like, different kind of nuanced type of uh, university boot camp partnership than the ones that we traditionally see, so very cool.
1: Yeah. And this article is not about a particular partnership, but sort of just about the difference between um, degrees and and non-degrees. Education Dive looks at a report by Strada Education Network and the Lumina Foundation, which found that non-degree credentials, such as certifications and coding boot camps, can improve economic mobility. The survey found that non-degree credentials deliver the largest earnings boost for workers in fields like security and engineering. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Well, those university bootcamp partnerships are obviously growing, but it's not just universities that bootcamps are partnering with. It's always great to see evidence that coding bootcamps are actually feeding into a real jobs pipeline. And this month we heard about some real examples of bootcamps that are doing just that. So Imogen, do you want to first tell us about the jobs pipeline that's being established in Boise, Idaho?
1: Yeah, so Idaho Press reports that Coding Dojo is partnering with the Idaho Department of Labor to pair graduates with apprenticeship programs at local Boise companies. Participants will go through a 14-week boot camp followed by a six-month apprenticeship at companies like Vinyl, Tesh Global and Go West Robotics.
0: And in Boston, Wayfair is partnering with Boston Coding Bootcamp Resilient Coders to recruit software developers. If you are an employer listening to this who's thinking about how to hire bootcamp graduates, I think that this is a great example. Um, So in December, Wayfair expanded its relationship with resilient coders to have two weeks of additional training um, that's specific to the technical skills requirements and programming languages that are needed for a job at Wayfair specifically. Um, That's such a kind of neat, like very hands-on partnership between the two companies. Deborah Poole, who's the head of global talent acquisition for Wayfair, says, quote, Wayfair is in a very high growth mode and we're hiring a lot of technical talent. A great way to make sure our organization remains diverse is to partner with programs like Resilient Coders that are made up entirely of people of color.
1: And then the Tennessean profiles Nashville Software School and their relationship with global financial firm Alliance Bernstein, which has hired at least six graduates. Officials from the firm apparently regularly attend demo days at the school, and the company's head of technology and operations says his team really likes what Nashville Software School founder John Wark is doing. The article also profiles a couple of grads and looks at the general demand for software skills in the region.
0: So neat. I mean, all of those are such great examples of, like, actual partnerships. I think a lot of times we think about a company hiring from a boot camp and just going to their hiring day or going to their demo day. But these are all companies that have actually, like, developed real pipelines from the boot camp into their companies in, like, a sustainable way. So, um, yeah, if you're an employer listening, those are all great examples. Next up, there were a few controversies in the coding bootcamp space which we want to mention. One school is facing closure, another is facing an interesting lawsuit, and there are some questions about costs and legitimacy in online education. So Imogen, let's start with WASU.
1: Yeah, so the Arizona Chronicle Education Dive and other publications report that you, Steve Wozniak's coding school, has had its license revoked and may be forced to close. The Arizona State Board that oversees private colleges unanimously voted against renewing the school's license after questions about its financial status, its failure to seek the board's permission to change its ownership and its affiliations with a man who was involved in two other private colleges that closed down. Brent Richardson, a part owner of WASU, is the former CEO of Dream Center Education Holdings, the mismanagement of which led to the collapse of multiple career colleges across the country. In a statement, WASU said it plans to appeal the board's decision to deny the license before a June 11 deadline. The school also claimed it doesn't need a license to operate in Arizona.
0: Yeah, that's a lot going on. The New York Times and Post Industrial dive into a lawsuit against coding bootcamp Mind Minds. Remember, we've been talking about Mind Minds for a while because they've been going through this um, drama for a while. Mind Minds was a bootcamp set up with the goal of helping people in West Virginia affected by the decline in coal mining to retrain and work in tech. Now, more than 20 former students are pursuing a lawsuit claiming that Mind Minds was a fraud. Post-Industrial reports that the lawsuit alleges that, quote, students were promised payment for their time and training and during an apprenticeship phase. Mind Minds told students its training was as good or better than a college education, yet its instructors were ill-suited to teach, and that while successful graduates were guaranteed jobs in the tech industry, no graduate ever found a job in the tech industry other than those that eventually worked for Mind Minds, end quote. Almost all of those claims were denied by Mind Minds, but as of May 10th, a judge had not made a decision on the class action status. I do just want to point out that Mind Minds was free to students and funded by a $1.5 million grant from the Appalachian uh, Regional Commission and a $71,000 grant from the Pennsylvania Department of Labor and Industry. The New York Times talked to a number of those students who, quote, described Mind Minds as an erratic operation where guarantees suddenly evaporated and firing seemed inevitable, leaving people to start over again at the bottom rungs of the wage jobs that they had left behind, end quote. Um, So pretty intense. The New York Times looks at the history of Mind Minds and reports that many of the apprentices were dismissed right after being hired by the school, and the school's Pennsylvania campus was eventually ordered to cease operations for not having a license to run the school. But Mind Minds is still operating in Logan, West Virginia.
1: Yeah, it's a long saga. But those two articles are both really well written and have like great images and stuff, so I would check them out if I was you. And then US News looks at how people should research coding boot camps before signing up, citing course report stats and noting that a number of boot camps have closed over the years and some get mixed reviews or have faced scrutiny from local governments. The article focuses on Flatiron School, General Assembly, Thinkful, and Trilogy. It looks at how Trilogy partners with universities, the average demographics for people taking Trilogy programs versus Flatiron and General Assembly boot camps, and compares the costs of the four programs. Here's one interesting stat I took away from reading this article. Only about 30% of Trilogy participants don't have a bachelor's degree, whereas at Flatiron that number is only 15%. And that's interesting because trilogy boot camps are usually offered at university continuing education departments. The article also mentions income share agreements, money-back guarantees, and suggests people make sure they understand the risks of financing options. The article also looks at how prospective students can evaluate outcomes claims.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think anything that you're going to spend time and money on, you should be scrutinous and skeptical and do your research about. And Rebecca's article is negative, it's kind of framed in a negative light, but it's definitely a good guide to being skeptical about this decision. Though I do think that if you follow her advice and are skeptical about the decision, there are actually plenty of schools that you'll find which are transparent and do stand by their outcomes and would like pass all of those criteria um, that she mentions. So um And finally, an opinion piece on HuffPost talks about whether tech companies inflate the costs of online education. They're talking about 2U here, but we thought it was interesting and worth including because 2U just acquired Trilogy Education, and the Chronicle of Higher Education also kind of does a deep dive into that HuffPost article, and they make that connection that Trilogy Education is owned by 2U.
1: And then on a more positive note, we read a bunch of inspiring stories about people who found success at bootcamp. Liz, tell us about a quirky project that a data science student built at General Assembly to analyze his favorite bands.
0: Yeah. A General Assembly data science student shared his final project looking into um, two bands, The Grateful Dead and Fish, In a Medium post, David Birch wrote about how he built a natural language processing model, which could classify different Reddit posts as being about one band or the other. And David goes into detail about how he gathered the data, what models he used for analysis, and his results about what distinguishes Reddit posts for each band.
1: Nice project. And then the Wall Street Journal looked at mid-career professionals who are going to coding boot camp and finding success. The article highlights Andrew Fechner, a 42-year-old cable television programming executive who borrowed $19,000 to attend Hack Reactor and is now a solutions engineer. They also profiled 40-year-old Ethan Steiner, who was a marketing executive and decided to go to Flatiron School. Although it took Ethan 7 months to find a job, he says he's now earning a similar amount to his previous career, but he says, quote, "It's much more engaging and much less stressful and the people I work with are great." Quote. And then another flatiron grad, Susan Lavaglio, aged 36, who was a military veteran, was accepted to a fellowship program at Spotify, which led to an iOS role earning double what she earned before. The article also highlights a 50-year-old man who enrolled in boot camp but dropped out of the course halfway and went back to his former career after younger classmates mocked him and his previous knowledge interfered more than helped. Um, It doesn't mention what boot camp he went to.
0: Interesting. I've never heard of that being an issue at, like, mocking at a boot camp. Yeah. And also, I talked to Susan Lavaglio for another podcast episode, too. She's awesome.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: She talked about using the GI Bill. She was great. And Tech Republic highlights Kentucky-based coding bootcamp Awesome, Inc., and talks to the lead instructor and a graduate about the process of learning to code. Former car mechanic Jonathan Grubb graduated two years ago and is now a developer for software company Schedule It. He says, quote, once you have a track record and you've learned how the system works and how development itself works, it's just the ins and outs and all the little things you need to know. The article says that Awesome Inc. claims to have a 100% job placement rate, and lead instructor Justin Hall says the majority of grads are getting hired as integration engineers working on AR and VR apps.
1: Oh, AR and VR. That's cool.
0: Yeah. And there were a few general updates about certain boot camps, which we want to run through really quickly. Imogen, let's start with a free coding bootcamp update.
1: Yeah, so Los Alamos Daily Post reports that Cultivating Coders is offering a free coding bootcamp to students aged 17 to 29 in Albuquerque from September to November. The bootcamp is in collaboration with Tech High New Mexico and will teach students how to create websites using HTML, CSS, JavaScript, MySQL, and more, culminating with a professional portfolio. And applications for that bootcamp are open right now.
0: General Assembly, a prolific provider of coding boot camps and other tech courses, has moved to a new campus in Washington, D.C. American Inno explains the campus in Chinatown is in a historic 9,500-square-foot building constructed as a bank in the 1800s, and technically, D.C. reports that the new campus takes up three floors of the building with six classrooms, five conference rooms, and two staff offices. So, plenty of room. (laughs)
1: And in another campus profile, Rolling Out profiles Flatiron School's Atlanta campus and looks at how the local team is working closely with the community.
0: Built in Chicago highlights four UX design courses in Chicago, including General Assembly and Designation UX Bootcamp.
1: And then American Inno profiles the launch of online data science training program Refactored.ai that has a deferred tuition model so graduates don't pay until they've landed a job. And the course uses AI to personalize the learning.
0: A number of cybersecurity programs and boot camps are opening in Minnesota. The Star Tribune reports that more than 12 programs have opened in the last three years in response to headlines about major data breaches. The University of Minnesota is launching a 24-week cyber boot camp this summer, and other colleges are offering bachelor's, master's, and other hands-on training programs.
1: And then Coding Dojo is offering scholarships to teachers in Seattle who have been laid off from their jobs. There are 30 scholarships available for June, July, August, and September for students to go to Coding Dojo's 14-week Coding Bootcamp at their Bellevue campus or online.
0: Fantastic. Well, Imogen, tell us about all of the new Coding Bootcamps that we added to Course Report this May.
1: Yeah, sure. So we added Bethel Tech, which is an online Coding Bootcamp founded by the Bethel Church. And then we added The Jump, which is a Coding Bootcamp in London, UK. Codebox is a coding bootcamp in Quebec City, Canada, and then the Chris Trotsky Bootcamp is a bootcamp in Hamburg, Germany.
0: Fantastic! Well, welcome to those four new boot camps. And Imogen, what was your favorite piece to write for the course report blog? Let's finish up with that.
1: So I enjoyed interviewing Alex Mannix, who graduated from CodeSmith Coding Bootcamp in New York. She had always been interested in coding, but initially dismissed it in college because of imposter syndrome and feeling like she should have been doing it since she was 10. Then she won the Edie Windsor Lesbians Who Tech Scholarship to fund 50% of her Codesmith tuition. She told me how supportive both the Lesbians Who Tech and the Codesmith communities are and how she hopes to inspire more women to think about getting into tech.
0: That was a great piece. And you can also watch the video or read the Q&A because Imogen did that piece over video. So. If you prefer to watch your Q and A's, then it's on our YouTube channel.
1: And then Liz, what was your favorite piece in May?
0: Well, I always love talking to employers who actually hire from boot camps. And I got to chat with two of those this month First, I talked with the VP of People at CD Baby, Gretchen Boster, about um, how their new hires are performing on the job. They hire from EpiCodis, and they also actually participate in Epicodus's internship program. Apparently at the end of Epicodus, all of the students get internships, um, and CD Baby is uh, participating in that pipeline, which is really cool. And then I also got to talk with Avery Johnson, who is a technical solution recruiter for data dog uh, which is a really cool company and um, she talks about the value that the Flatiron school graduates that she hires are bringing to their role for solutions engineers and we talk a lot about what that job means that solutions engineer role and i just like more and more think that it's the perfect job for a fresh bootcamp graduate so i suggest that everyone read that piece
1: Yeah, that was so awesome that you got to speak to two employers. I feel like that's such a great way to really see how um, legitimate coding bootcamp graduates are.
0: For sure. They're always a treat. Well, as always, thank you for tuning in. We will see you next month on the June Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. Cannot believe we're already halfway through the year. Yeah. And as always, we love feedback. So email us at hello at coursereport.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, help other future bootcampers find it by going to iTunes or Stitcher, subscribing to the Course Report podcast, and leaving a review. And we'll see you next month.
1: Bye!